Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by WordPress.com again. I'm not sure why they keep sponsoring us. We literally have nothing good to say about them, but they keep sending us checks. Thanks WordPress, but maybe you should invest less money in advertising and more on developing a good product. Hey, it's the Anecdotal Experience Podcast. You're here. It's okay. You thought? No, I'm not going to continue this bit. Today's guest is Gannon Joyner. Gannon and I talk about, um, we talk about comedy a little bit. By no means is this a comedy podcast, but we both lived in the same area and we're friends doing the same thing for a little bit, so you got to listen to us talk about it. We also talk about um, college, being creative, the professional world, he's moving into it in a few months. What's, um, you spend a lot of your life with your coworkers. Your coworkers become your friends. They become your family. It is, it's, it's real weird. You have this very unintimate relationship. It's only intimate into the fact that you spend so much time with your coworkers. It's real bizarre. Yeah, we talk about that stuff, talk about creativity, talk about filming stuff, talk about embarrassment and pride. Man, let's just do this with my man, Gannon Joyner. Yo, what's up? Hey. What's happening with you? You know, trying to finish school, man. Oh, you're in college. Yeah, I got once. It's for like two more months. Damn, dude. How old are you? I'll be 22 next month. Wow, man. You're just a kid. I am a kid. That's (laughs) like... That's what I... Dude, it's crazy. Let's just get into it, man. All right. You're... Okay, when you came around doing stand-up comedy, how old were you? Uh, 19. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just turned 19. That's nuts, man. What, were you spooked? Like, were you, because, okay, I was in the community that you started doing it in, and a lot of people are spooked coming in as, like, grown-ass men. But you didn't seem, you didn't seem spooked. Yeah, I um, I was a bit spooked because, you know, I did have to, like, sneak into a lot of the bars and stuff, and I always felt really weird. Um, and being, like, the younger one, it was a little bit different. Um, but it was, it was really comfortable. I think the Cincy comedy scene is really uh, welcoming, you know. I never felt, uh, you know, outcast or anything. You felt nice. welcome. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it you know, it is uh, challenging. There's a lot of people who take it real serious, and some people who don't take it so serious. And you got to find, you know, where you stand. But um, I where mean, overall, you, where do you stand? Well, I haven't been doing stand up for a while, so I would say I am, and the ones who are not so serious, but. I'm still in the community pretty heavy, uh, just doing video work, so, yeah, but I do remember after bombing, like, my first show at Go Bananas, uh, 
just being completely embarrassed and going to like another open mic later that week and uh people were talking about like the kid who bombed and i was like yeah that was me (laughs) no they were not yeah and uh well they weren't like making fun of it but they're just they're like oh yeah there was this guy i mean it is usually the talk of the night when someone uh bombs but uh i was like yeah that's me and uh I feel like everyone bombs all the time, dude. I feel like that's, I feel, okay, here's what I think. I think you're in your own head. I feel like if you go to Go Bananas Comedy Club on a Wednesday, there's going to be like five people that eat shit. Nobody's like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right, but I think you might be in your own head, man. No, yeah, they, um, it was funny because when I bombed, it was one of the bad ones where like, so I took my glasses off because I was really nervous, um, and it was you know my first show at a big club, and I took my glasses off so that I wouldn't see the audience. I thought that would help my anxiety or something, right. um, and it did, but it also made me not see the light. Dude, I was there. <laughs> I was there. Yes, yes, yes. I was there. And then, um, what was it uh, VA Minute was after me and uh yeah it was uh it was bad but um but yeah it was still uh i remember i went to like the next week i went to an open mic and some people were talking about it and i was i was just like i was like yeah that was me i just like owned up to it and they're all just super cool about it Okay, you're right. You know what? They probably were talking about you because of how hardcore you blew the light. Because I was oh, there. Yeah. It was, you were doing, um, you were. I was doing an awful joke, too. You were like doing, dude, joke. I remember this, man. This is, like, so funny because <laughs> I, you know how people always say, nobody remembers. You're all in your own head. You think, like, you have these right. moments where you think nobody remembers. Dude, right. they do though, because I remember yours, man. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, it was, you know what though? You didn't, you did like a stinky pussy joke at the end um, yeah. that you only got halfway through. <laughs> but here's what I remember though is like people, people, you were getting laughs, man. Yeah. I don't it know was, if they um, were, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, either way, I mean, people were laughing at that stinky pussy stuff, man. <laughs> They just liked it, dude. Yeah, I um, and the story with like how I went up to that pro am was, I used to do when I was thinking about doing comedy. I had a bunch of friends who did um, what do you call them? Like uh, those poetry events, oh, like a slam um, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah reading uh, stuff, slams, yeah. and just in coffee shops. And like my best friends would run those, so I was like, hey, I'm gonna. I'm going to try to do some comedy. Um, they're like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So like two or three times I had done these little, you know, five minute sets. Um, and then I went to go bananas and I watched a few shows Then I emailed cam. Cause I didn't know how it worked. And, uh, I emailed him. I was like, Hey, I'd be interested in uh, doing a program. And it, this was like a Tuesday. And yep. he was like, yeah, you're on tomorrow. And, okay. uh, because he could tell I was hesitant, and he just wanted to throw me into the deep end. Right. So I spent, I just pretty much came up with, like, the worst set of, in 24 hours and went up and did it. And it was, uh, I'm really glad I did it, but I still have nightmares about it. <laughs> Dude, you know, 
I, that's funny. I had the same thing. Like I took comedy. So uh, before I did in Cincinnati, I did it like a couple times before in Indiana and I did it actually at a comedy club. Really bizarre. Anyway, doesn't matter. There was, there was like the second time I did it, I thought I was going to drive to Indianapolis and I was like, I didn't put any thought into my jokes. I was like, oh, I'll just like come up with something uh, in the car on the way down. And that it was like, dude, it was so bad. It was yeah. so atrocious, but that's how little, that's how, that's what I thought it was. I was like, well, I'm funny. I'll just come up with some stuff in the car. And yeah. dude, I like brought a friend, my best friend. He, it was a bringer. And like my best friend came and like saw me and I know he remembers it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my bad. friends were at that show because I had to bring friends. Yeah. It was, uh. Yeah, man, that was, <clears throat> I think the thing about comedy is it's really hard to get into because, like you said, a lot of people think it's just going on stage and being funny. They don't, they don't think you have to, like, rehearse a five-minute set, you know, right. joke for joke for joke. And uh, It's work, man. Yeah, it really is. It's like work off the off the stage. It's genuinely like I don't oh, yeah. I don't like I I don't like stand up anymore because I hate writing. Like I don't like putting in the time outside right. of it. Like I like being on stage, but like writing is it's like doing my job. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I um, I think the thing that turned me off a bit about stand up was. I got really heavy into it when I was starting out because I was trying out a lot of new things. But once I realized that the long run of comedy is not trying new things, but refining the same joke, like the word order you say it in, the delivery, yeah. that stuff, uh, like you said, the writing, the calculation of that was, uh, I won't say that's the reason I stopped, but it was like, it was something that kind of turned me off. Like I wasn't really ready to start taking it that seriously yeah dude that's it i mean i was talking to my friend samuk about this um it becomes anything and i think that's everything but it becomes like a job when you really want to get good if you want to be the best you got to be that meticulous person that's like writing stuff in their notebook and stuff Mm -hmm. and i'm not i'm not ready i'm not that's not my idea of what i want to do with this short life that i have yeah, the thing, it's so shaky for a future, too, in comedy. That was the thing that really worried me a lot. Because, um, <clears throat> like, the amount of work and years of work that you need in order to just sell out, you know, weekend shows at a random club. And, yeah. you know, it's just astounding. And people work so hard to get there. And props to them, but I really had to consider what I wanted in life and what I wanted to work towards. Yeah, you got to love it, dude. You got to... You have that. That was the that was the thing. I realized I was like, oh, I don't love this, and this isn't one of those things you can like passively do because it's really shitty. So like, your being needs to be like drawn toward it. Oh yeah, I um, another thing with it was when I was kind of you know on the line about taking comedy really seriously and just going you know as a hobbyist or something. Um, I realized that it's really black and white. I mean, either you go four times a week 
uh, to open mics and you know a pro am and etc. And then the other nights you're probably watching shows on the weekend or something. Right. Or you go once a month and no one remembers you. You know. Yeah, because I think a lot of it is about the community. Yeah. Which is awesome, but it's also it's its greatest strength and flaw because it it's you have all these guys taking it so seriously because they really love the art of it, and you really have to ask yourself if you if you want these guys to take you seriously, you also have to love it just as much as they do. Right, it's a big commitment. Yeah. So what you're okay? You're doing short films now. Right. Yeah. I'm finishing up film school. Um, I've been doing a bunch of short films uh, lately. A lot of comedies, actually, because... Actually, I really like writing uh, comedic shorts because it's a lot like stand-up, but you just get to shape the whole story, you know? You don't have to... uh, you don't have to make it work on a stage or, you know, for an audience. I mean, you do, but uh, it's just a lot different. You know, you just have characters and funny dialogue and yeah. Yeah, there's not that. That's what, because I'm, I'm into doing like short films too. That's what I've kind of been interested in. And I, I agree because I can like, there's not the pressure of being on stage i don't know because i've been doing improv lately which kind of contradicts because there is arguably more pressure and i'm really into that but i do like the idea of being able to like sit back and just whittle away at like on final cut until something i made is like perfect i'm like there it is i said i can say exactly what i want to say with this film or if i didn't get all the shots i needed and i can't do that i don't have to release it you know yeah, exactly. It's um, <clears throat> the timeline. You get a really long time to work on things, and you know you're not thrown onto a stage and you know <clears throat> under the spotlight. You have a lot more time to craft things. But um, yeah, I just think it's a lot more. Uh, it just works better for me to be able to write like a script per se of a funny interaction than to try to make something relatable and, you know, form it on stage for a bunch of people to laugh at. Um, Dude, it's a gift, man. That was the, that's what you just described. The people that can do that and like create a context, like create that story. I'm like, man, you have such a great gift of being able to tell a story and bring us in to that world and make us care, you know? Oh yeah. It's, um, it's really an art. It's really an underappreciated art. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know about underappreciated, but I well, wish I didn't respect were, it when know. I was, you know, writing my jokes in my car on the way to the show, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. People think they can do it, man. They really do. And I mean, you'll have a lot of people say this, but um, a lot of people get into it just because they are like the funny one in their friends group and it goes real south for them because. You know, just be a lot of times really good stand up comics aren't the funny ones in the friends group. They're really analytical people who pick out cool parts of society they can make fun of, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, man, the funniest people I've ever met have never, have like, don't do comedy. Yeah. (laughs) The fun, like, 
I probably talked about this dude, but I met in an improv class. This guy, he was like a basketball player. He was like an assistant coach, was going to Cal State Fullerton. He was like just this guy. He, he would drive up from Fullerton like an hour and a half away on Sundays just to make friends and go to improv. He'd be like, yeah, dude, I'm just here to make friends and have fun. This guy was the funniest person I ever met. Anytime he was in a scene with anyone, it was just, we would all just like intently stare at this guy because he was so we just wanted to see what he was gonna do and he had no desire to be a performer he just was like having fun on a sunday but he would go up and have us all in stitches man yeah there's there's a lot of people who can um see i haven't really i haven't done improv i've watched a lot of shows um but I do think they're very different in that improv really rewards people who are good on the fly yeah and good you know that's kind of the point, but um, I think the difference in people with like improv and comedy is a lot of people in comedy are they aren't per se very good on the fly, but they're those people who something may spark in their mind, and then they'll go write in their book and maybe come back to it later and write this hilarious story. Um, kind of like you know how people always uh, say when they're in the shower they think of like the best responses that are too late to say right i kind of think that's how stand up comics are um, whereas a lot of people doing improv are just like people who are naturally really good at like you know uh, going off the cuff yeah they have that instinct yeah and that's <clears throat> i don't know for me i like I'm on the side of I like the super meditated stuff where I have to get in and like take my time and figure out exactly what I want to do um, like a you know making a sketch video and then I also like the side of um, just doing improv and just seeing what what wackiness is gonna happen you know and not not having to prepare dude it's so nice not having like homework before you go to like an open mic you know Oh yeah, that um, that's definitely one of the things that that kind of turned me a little bit off. Or that's not the right word. I just wasn't ready for. Um, right. And I definitely, you're actually making me want to think about improv because I love that whole. Um, I've always been like the class clown and crap yeah. like that. And um, I think the idea of not having to do your homework and worry about you know, one joke that you know you haven't worked on and it's going to be, it's mm-hmm. really beneficial. And it's fun working with, I don't, I like working with like an ensemble and I like failing together. There's something right. more, I don't know. There's something fun about that. Yeah. The collective failure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, okay. What are you trying to do with short films? What do you want to like, what is your, uh, like, first of all, what is the message or what what is your art behind it? And or do you just want to do like commercials and yeah, like, so, lucrative things? Um in a idealistic sense, I would love to do uh I really like documentaries. Okay. Because you you get to immortalize someone and their story. For someone, you know, we can watch films from 100, 150 years ago, um, and the idea of immortalizing someone's story is really cool. And a lot of people love, you'd be really surprised, a lot of people actually love to tell these really, um, 
what's the word for it? Like really personal stories that you'd be surprised they would just want to share with the world. Yeah. But because they know that a lot of that it's they're not just telling it to one dude with a camera, they're telling it to the audience that's going to see it. Right. Um, it's really a special thing you get to see, but in a more practical sense, I'll probably just get like a salary job making commercials and then on vacation and when I clock out, um, work on my own personal films and things like that just so I can pay the bills and, you know, student loans and junk. Dude, that's, yeah, that's my, I mean, d- people got to do what they want to do, but that was what I realized. I can't be creative and I can't be artistic unless I'm like, I have like huge wagons full of money and yes. security. Like I can't do it. I can't. I can't be desperate and creative. Yeah, I was talking to um, a really close film buddy of mine, and <clears throat> we were talking about what we're gonna do when we finish film school. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm never working for anybody. I'm gonna be my own boss like forever." And I was like, "That's dope." But you're going to have to pay rent. And I've done freelance. Yeah. That is a tough, tough, tough fucking market. Yeah. Like, it is really difficult. Because in freelance, you are at a race for the bottom. It is bottom price. Right. All. I mean, unless you have a name for yourself, it's it's a race to the bottom. And um, it's brutal, man. I'd rather just have a, a salary job that I may hate, but... You know, I have 40 hours a week, it pays rent, and I still have the free time to go uh, do my own film work and even pay for a camera and stuff. Dude, people, I was thinking about this today. The I was sitting in my, like, nine-to-five job with people I like working with at a thing that I like to do, and I'm like, dude, the nine-to-five gets a bad rap. I feel like millennials especially, like, have this romantic idea of, like, never working a nine-to-five. But I'm like, dude, nine-to-five, driving to work in the morning, listening to a podcast and leaving at night, having a sense of purpose every day? Dude, and working with cool people? Oh, yeah. I, I love it, dude. I'm a nine-to... Call me boring or whatever, but I fucking love my job. Yeah, I, um... I actually, I really love the nine to five thing, and I feel like a shill too, you know, for Why? for liking that and being a millennial. But the structure of it is so rewarding. Yeah. <clears throat> because, um, like, so I used to do freelance websites a lot because it it paid good money. Um, but the thing with freelance is you never clock out. Yeah. And the great thing of a nine to five is I know when I'm going to work. And I know as soon as I clock out and drive home, I can eat dinner, yep. I can play video games, I can get drunk, and it doesn't matter as long as I wake up you know, at 8 the next morning to get to work. That's it. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's that, fantastic. It is. That is. You're totally right. It's like, okay, once, once, you're leaving the, once you're leaving the office, it's like, hey, enjoy your night. You're not ours anymore. You're, you've done your part today. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow at eight or nine or whatever time you have to be in, and then your responsibilities will resume. But for now, go get drunk, go get high, go yeah. bang a hooker. It's none of our business, you know. Yeah, seriously. And that's one of the reasons I've I've really come to like 
hate college is um, that lack of structure is awful for someone like as immature and as poorly uh, regimented as me because unless you're one of those students who goes from like they actually make that nine to five deal where they're like, I'm going to be on campus nine to five and in between classes, I'm going to do my work. Right. I'm not going to do anything until, uh, you know, I come home or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, because it's just like freelance work. You have people, you have professors emailing you, changing deadlines. You have stuff looming over you all the time. And I really just, uh, I kind <clears> of <throat> reminisce about the high school days where I had these awful days from like eight to three and then practice for like two hours but man it just worked so well because uh i don't know the lack of structure in college is really wicked and that's why that's why i want a nine to five is to get away from that lack of structure i just want something simple yeah dude that's it it's like when you get to i think that's why millennials kind of suck is because that we don't in college we you go to college and you take 15 credit hours and you don't do anything you don't work you just eat mm-hmm. food at the cafeteria take out huge loans and then you don't like it's all about time management because you don't know right. how to manage your time and you, you got a lot of free time so yeah. most, I mean, let's let's just say freshmen in college, they get to college and they're like, I don't have to fucking do anything for 16 hours of my day. Mm-hmm. Let's and then so they don't and they don't have like you said they don't have the discipline to say let's like learn a skill. They're just gonna chill out and do drugs or play video games. Right. Yeah. I uh, I actually think because for me, my freshman year was actually my best year. And I think it's because I came out of high school and like I came out of high school, you know, high schools are really, they try to prepare you for college and stuff. And I kept following this regimen of like, you know, you wake up on time every day and I took like 18 credit hours, ended up like dropping one, but still I, I had this perfect schedule, but slowly as time passed, like the further I got from high school, pretty much the worse I got at school because that lack of structure just like it just devours anyone who's not mature enough to regiment their day. Yep. And I honestly I don't think nineteen and twenty year olds should be expected to like be that uh, that good at being mature. I don't know. No, I I agree. It's the I mean, you're kind of released into the wild at an age when it, you're also you're you're released into the wild like a very coddled wild which is oh, the yeah. worst of both worlds cuz you're you're so you don't want to be regimented you don't want to go to high school for 8 hours then go to soccer practice for 2 hours um you're like I finally get a break and then and then you just kind of squander all your like very like a time in your life where you really could do some cool interesting stuff yeah i, I if I had a college, I'd make it so you can't go into it until you're 25. Dude. <laughs> like, I would oh. learn so much more if I came if I came back to college and restarted as a mature adult. And I, I see it. I have adults in my class, yeah. and I see the clear difference. They have the best work. They never miss a day, you know, because they, they've had the time to figure out in life how to, how to manage their free time away from their parents' house. Yeah. 
And they're there genuinely because they are interested. Mm-hmm. They don't skip class because they want to be there. They're paying for it. They're not going for the credit. They're going to learn about like African religion or, you know, world history. They don't, they're not like checking boxes. They're like, I want to learn about this shit because I'm interested. Right. Or they have a vested interest like in their career. Like, yes. They, they've had an entry-level job in finance for the last four years, and they're ready to get a managerial thing. So now they're here busting their ass off to get that next you know, pay raise or whatever. And that's something a lot of college students, including myself, just don't have. And I, I think it sucks. I think the college uh, bubble is going to be the next like mortgage crisis. I think something big is going to happen in the next 15, 20 years. I'm so... Dude, this is what's crazy to me. All right, so you're a young guy. You're 22. I, I cannot believe kids are still going to college. Mm-hmm. I feel like this isn't... It, I've, okay, because it used to be college is expensive. Loans are tough. Now it's like, oh, no, college is astronomically priced and people's lives are ruined after going is that a sentiment that you hear i don't know you're not too far from high school but was that a sentiment that you heard a lot uh the thing the thing with like where i was raised i was raised in like uh where it's very expected you go to college it's not it's uh you are the minority if you don't continue to college right Uh, even, even trade schools and stuff which i wish were more encouraged in my high school. Um, yeah, you're all expected to go to college, and no one really thought. Um, a lot of us, you know, had our parents paying for school and stuff, but I don't know. None of us were ready. It was kind of pushed into our brains since ninth grade. Right. You know, you have to get ready for college. You need you need this to get your career and stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it sucks. I. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I think it's a bad system, but I think part of my problem was I didn't find the right major until like a year ago. So I made my life hell because I didn't know what I wanted to go for. Right. Um, I did when I was 18, but when you're 18, you're you know, your mind, things change very quickly. What were you thinking when you were 18? So I went into school for finance. Okay. Uh, that didn't work, so I'm a nerd. I switched to computer science. Okay. I'm not smart enough for that. Uh, that was really hard. And then um, I was just kind of grasping at straws, and I was like, you know what? I used to make uh, – I was taking this random extra like uh, art credit, and it was a, a video class. And I was desperate for a new major, and I decided to pick it because – Back when I was like 13 and a little skater kid, I used to film, I used to steal my dad's camcorder and film these skate videos. And I realized I've always had a knack for, you know, and an eye for photography and film. And I just went with it because I was so, I was desperate for something. And um, I realized I was good at it and I could find an okay job with it. And uh, it was also rewarding creatively. Yeah. The big thing for me, though, with the finance was uh, I really didn't I didn't mix with the people in the business school. And uh, that was a big eye opener was like, it's not only about what you want to do. It's about if you want to be a part of 
because because every single career has a certain type of people in it you know everyone's yeah. different but it's, there's a type of person that pursue that career and i realized really quickly that the type of you know finance people um I just didn't mix with. They're great people, but I, you know, I just didn't mix with them. And I found <clears throat> the film people I absolutely love. So it's yeah. for the best. I'll tell you this: you gotta. One thing that's really as you're getting into the working world, take it from an old man like me. You got to like when you're interviewing, understand that this is not only them seeing you, them seeing if you're a good fit. You got to be in there and really imagine yourself in there every day, day in, day out with these people that are interviewing you. And if you're like, yo, these people are lame as shit. I don't want to see them every day. Don't take that job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Workplace environment is super crucial. I swear I can do the. I, I've worked at restaurants, man. I've swept floors and cleaned tables, but I've stayed there. Because one, I mean, I eventually quit, but because one, the owner of the restaurant was super awesome, dude, yep. very respectable. And my coworkers were people I really enjoyed being around. And it's like, I don't care if I'm sweeping floors and washing tables all day because I'm having a good time. Yep. And, you know, I, I'd take that any day over making a few more bucks an hour with a bunch of people I can't stand and a manager who's a prick. Dude, I worked I worked as a lifeguard for like four or five summers. Um, and the people and the job was the best, man. I got paid like eight twenty-five an hour. But that job, I those were it was like the greatest memories of my life, man. Mm-hmm. I loved going to work. I didn't I mean, granted the days got a little long, but like I loved it, man. I loved like all my friends were there and we just it didn't matter what we got paid, man. Oh yeah, it um, and that's something I have right now. Uh, it's like a really weird question of I've got a few job offers, and um, for instance, one of them is in marketing, um, for uh, like a a film company, uh, and the other one is behind the camera, and both of them are the same exact companies. But I know that the one behind the camera is going to pay less than the marketing one. So you actually, I've always heard my whole life that you have to pick between making more money or less money and being more satisfied. And I never thought I would actually have like, you know, two hands in front of me asking me which one to pick. And it's actually, it's a lot harder than a lot of people think because, uh, I don't know. It's money, man. Money's important. Money's and, uh, awesome. The other problem with creative jobs that I'm worried about is uh, they're so high stress and the hours and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, you got to factor that in too. Because ultimately, I mean, even even if you're behind a camera, you're not doing, you're working for someone else. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. It's not like yeah. you're, they're going to be like, like Gannon, go nuts, man. Film this commercial for us. See, let's see what you, let's see what creative idea you come up with. They're going to be like, no, we need this shot, this shot, this shot. Make sure she's wearing this. Make sure she tells you about this fried chicken and right. don't move from these specs, you know? Yeah. And Take uh, the money. 
Yeah, that's what I want to do is I want to I want to work the marketing job because I know I've already interned there. I know it's a cushy job. I know it's a, a lax environment, and I'll go home with money to buy a nice camera. Yeah. And to work on my own stuff on the weekend because I have nothing to worry about. I don't have to worry. I don't have to stress about finances. I don't have to stress about work because I just show up and I just, you know, marketing. It's all BS. Yeah. I didn't say it. That's a Gannon Joyner quote. <laughs> uh oh. Hang on rescind my job offer oh yeah uh i won't i don't know i mean you'll be fine no one listens to this thing anyway um no yeah dude that's you know what i i think you got it i think you got the right idea just you just gotta make sure and i mean it can be stressful because you know i come home pretty much every night and i got something to do you know there's always something to work on you know like i rarely ever you know, and on the weekends, I'm trying to film something. I'm trying to write something. But, hey, that's my that's my lifestyle, man. Yeah. Definitely. Hope you don't plan on having a wife or girlfriend or a child. <laughs> uh, not, not for a little while. I'll save that for closer to when I'm 30. Yeah, dude. I feel like I'm going to... I'm waiting to like 38. There you go. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna I'm gonna adopt a son that's like ten at thirty-eight. You're just gonna skip all the messy the, the bad years. <laughs> yep. And then we're gonna Mess. play basketball and he's gonna be in the NBA. That's uh that seems like a practical life goal. Yeah, man. I'm a practical guy. Pragmatic, if you will. I don't know if they're gonna let you uh adopt a kid based purely off height though. Oh yeah. Do you get to pick your I don't know. That's a that's a hole in my my future plans, man. Pretty sure you just get what you get. Really? <laughs> uh probably. Just a mystery then bag you, child? Then there'd just be all these like unwanted kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <man. laughs> Dude. Awful to think about. <laughs> you you know, no, because remember those old stories where it was like I was passed around from foster home to foster home because nobody wanted me. So I think they do get to pick. Yeah, they do. I don't know. I, I bet it depends on the agency. Yeah. I don't know. I'll find a good one. I'll be rich by then. There you go. What else? <laughs> what, what do you got? What do you got to... Uh, okay, you yeah. got you to gotta give advice. I'm, I know you're full of advice, first of all. Don't go to college unless you're going to college mm-hmm. at Gannon Joyner's College University. In no. year 25. Yeah. yeah, there you go, there you go. What do you got? Um, what have you learned in your life? Oh, geez, that's a big one. Um, okay, I heard this really good um, this really good golden rule today. Actually, I, I read it online. It says, um, when you're meeting someone, treat them as nice as you can possibly be. And every interaction after that, only treat them as nice as they are to you. Oh. Oh, okay. Explain it. So, like, you never get walked over, but you start off your first impression. You're basically giving them the benefit of the doubt off the get-go. Okay. You know? Like, hey, Joey, you know, here's this awesome introduction. We have a nice thing. And then after that, uh, let's say you're kind of – you kind of give me the cold shoulder. 
I just replicate that. I mirror it right back to you. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really good advice because it, it keeps you from getting walked over and trying to be nice to everyone, which isn't always possible. And okay. um, I don't know. Yeah. I just read that today. Are you a people pleaser? Um, I don't think you are, man. I'm not. I've got a big, you know, screw you attitude, mostly because I'm young and angsty, but... Uh, I, so I come from a Southern family, so like respect is very big to me. Yeah. So I give everyone respect. Yes, dude. But it doesn't really go anywhere past that, you know? I don't know. Because respect's a funny word. It just means like, I don't even know how I would define it, but respect's just really important, um like in the Southern culture of you show everybody respect regardless of, you know, their income, their, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, you don't have to be nice to everyone. You just got to respect everyone. Dude, you know what my quote is? This what? is a Joey Bertoff quote. It's people don't want to be liked. They just want to be respected. That's very true. You think people want to be liked and enjoyed or, you know, revered. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think they just want respect. People are most upset, not when someone says they don't like them for whatever reason. It's when they feel like they're not respected. They're not considered. They feel like they don't matter. That's when people get upset. And I think a big part of respect is just the feeling of being understood. Yeah. And I think... uh, if you if you go around in life trying to be really nice to everyone, you're gonna come off patronizing, yep. and people will feel misunderstood, and everyone gets pissed off if they feel misunderstood. I think, uh, yeah, I think a big part of it is just letting people know you understand. Uh, maybe you don't understand, but let them know that you're at least trying to. <laughs> you're not trying to like you know ride a high horse into their life. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You're a smart 22-year-old, I think. Something like that. All right, where can, I, we, where can we find your videos? Uh, so, YouTube.com. Uh, my user is Hoyt, H-O-Y-T, Productions. Um, my Twitter is StandUpGannon. Actually, I can also talk to you about a little preview of... Uh, my short I'm filming this weekend, if you want. What is it? So it's a, uh, it's kind of a, a dark comedy. Uh, the elevator pitch is that two college students are preparing to go to a protest, but little do they know they've got very differing views on how to protest. So I actually wrote this um, amidst all of the controversial protests we have, and. Basically, dude's driving a car to pick up his best friend, and he just wants to go bring cardboard signs. And, uh, you know, he's wearing a, a polo shirt and uh, cargo shorts and stuff. And he goes to pick up his best friend, and he comes out of his house in riot gear. You know, he's got the Antifa, the bandana, and the goggles, and all this stuff. And then, you know, it, it comes down, the whole thing takes place in their car. Um, and like the doorstep and they're basically just making fun of each other is basically just picking apart each side of 
people who are really violent in protests and people who are really, you know, submissive in protests and just want to be a, another body on the street holding a sign. And um, in the end, you have to watch. <laughs> Dude, I, man, when you do this and you put it out, uh, let me know and we'll do another podcast because that's a whole thing I like to talk about too. For sure, man. Yeah. It, uh, I just want to do a comedy about something that's actually serious. You know, I don't want a bunch of, you know, knee slapping humor, slapstick. I just want, I want a light take on a really serious topic that's happening right now. So, yeah. yeah. All right, man. Well, that sounds awesome. Let us know when it's done. Yeah, it's called The Chamber. All right. Cool. All right, buddy. Well, you have a good one. Get some rest for school tomorrow. Oh, yeah, we'll do. I got an 8.30, so it'll be fun. Oh, man. Don't envy you. (laughs) I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. All right, take it easy.